This is Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Hello, welcome to Life Elsewhere. I'm Norman B. Coming up in the next 60 minutes, an unabridged conversation recorded as the second Trump impeachment proceedings were underway. An extraordinary moment in history. This unprecedented event follows the shocking storming of the US Capitol on January 6th, 2021. My guest is Jared Yates Sexton, author and political commentator from Linton, Indiana. Jared is an associate professor in the Department of Writing and Linguistics at Georgia Southern University. His most recent book is American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World but Failed Its People. Jared, welcome back to Life Elsewhere. At this very moment, we're witnessing what what do we what do we call this? It, it's it's nuts. This is what well, well, this is crazy. Thanks uh, for having me. I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, glad to yes. be here. Yes, yes. I fumbled somewhat over the the introduction there as to what really is going on right now because I'm going to pass it over to you, Jared, because it's just so fantastical. It's really hard to sort of put put it into words. Yeah, we we have to start with the, uh, of course what has happened in in the past week, which is that the president of the United States of America, in the service of the conspiracy theory that he has been peddling since the election and for years, honestly, uh, whipped up a frenzied mob, uh, directed them at the capital of the United States of America, and sicked them on not just the legislative branch but his own vice president. Which, uh, where I come from, is an act of, you know, insurrection and sedition. And the House is currently voting on whether or not to impeach him, and which is needed, necessary. But we are watching the Republican Party splinter on live television because certain parts of them want to protect their corporate donor base. Others want to distance themselves for Trump for their future political careers. And then we have another group of people who are performing for the very people who broke into the Capitol in order to be their chosen representatives in the future. It is, um, in a word, it's madness. It's madness what we're watching right now. Yes. And you and I have talked about this before. You've written about it uh, uh, an incredible amount. Um, and I think all of us, and I, and I don't think this really comes down to whether you're on the left or on the right. I think no matter where you're coming from, this is just a peculiar, strange situation. But it goes back in time. What, what I'd like to do is, is, to, is to go back five years hmm. to when Trump announced that he would run for president. All the media outlets were giddy with excitement, Jared, the nonstop coverage of Trump guaranteed high ratings and in turn of course enormous profits and my question to you jared should we and i'm including myself in this because i've done lots of programs on trump should we blame the incessant media coverage for the popularity of trump well like a lot of problems in america it's really hard to boil it down to a silver bullet we love those we love the one explanation and we don't have to look beyond it uh there is a complicity within the media 
let's just be honest about it. Donald Trump is the rising tide that rises all ships. Uh, I was reporting on Trump rallies back in 2015 and 2016. And one of the reasons why I gained any traction whatsoever with my coverage is because everyone else was just sort of turning the camera on him. Because he was he was the Howard Stern of politicians. People just yes. wanted to see what he said next. And nobody took it seriously that he could possibly get elected. And nobody believed that there was any possibility that he might whip up something among his base. And when I was going into these rallies, I was hearing people talk about overthrowing the government, talking about, you know, overthrowing politicians and mass violence and how they really wanted to do it. And they were looking for a politician to vocalize that thing. Well, I would talk to other media members as I started getting ingratiated into the media. And I have to tell you, when the red light was off, I heard a lot of very powerful, influential people with platforms who would lament in 2016, what are we going to do after Trump? We're going to lose our ratings. We're going to lose our clicks. We're going to lose our impressions. We're going to lose our advertisers. What a run it was. Thank God we had it. And and, and by the way, Les Moonves of CBS summed it up perfectly, which is Trump might not be good for America, but he's great for CBS, yes. right? And one of the things that has happened, and I've actually been really disgusted by this. Um, you know, we've seen in the past few days, suddenly we have a lot of people who profited off of Donald Trump, including Twitter which owes its entire profit base and power and influence to Donald Trump and echoing and transmuting his fascistic message. Uh, Facebook, which has made untold billions of dollars communicating fascistic conspiracy theories and misinformation that have undermined democracy and put people at risk. And all of a sudden they just banned him a week out from the end of his term. And everyone's like, congratulations, you did great. Now the Republican Party, you have Mitch McConnell, who suddenly grew a conscience overnight. He got everything that he wanted out of Donald Trump. All these people got everything that they wanted out of him for four years. And now all of a sudden, like now that we're supposedly at the end of his term, people are starting to cut bait. So yeah, there is a complicity and a responsibility that the media needs to take. We have to move away from spectacle-based politics. It is it is one of the it is one of the defining issues of our time, I believe. One of the things that's come to my mind about this, particularly over the last four years, is that where does entertainment end and news begin? Your thoughts? That, that's a great question. And I don't think it I because one of the things that we've actually seen, and 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 it's it's impossible to have this conversation and start off by not saying that Donald Trump is a symptom. He's not the disease. There's yes. a larger problem in the American body. Yes. And a large part of it has to do with the fact that in recent decades, we have seen a shift into politics as entertainment, which, you know, you, you go right back into the late 70s, early 80s with Ronald Reagan a performer who becomes the president and becomes the pitch man for a lot of moneyed, powerful interest, who, by the way, put him in office and kept him in office and kept all the people around him in office and flooded with cash so they could dismantle government as an instrument of public good. They wanted to get rid of the social safety net. They wanted to get rid of all the New Deal protections. They wanted to get rid of regulations. They wanted to make sure that they could profit more and have more power. Well, as that happened, as government was bought off, and by the way, it happened on it, it happened with the Democratic Party as well as the Republican yes. Party. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that gets completely uh, covered over a lot, because we have to believe in dichotomous politics, one thing that gets covered over is when Ronald Reagan won his second term, 
by taking almost every vote in the country. He just absolutely steamrolled. The Democratic Party got together and said, we will never win another election if we oppose Ronald Reagan and his vision of America. And so the Democratic Party intentionally became Reaganism with a smiling face. And so one of the things that we found in this country is the, the, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are in an economic consensus. They understand that the wealthy and powerful should be left alone. You should cut their taxes and, and just let them do and trickle down economics is how things are supposed to happen. Because government has been bought and sold in that regard, all of the arguments we have now are symbolic arguments, cultural arguments. They're all about, you know, things like abortion. Right. Yes. Which which, you know, it's it's this big passion morality play. And so on the right, they're constantly telling us, oh, if we lose this election, it's going to be the apocalypse. Yes. Right. And, and 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 by the way, they are swimming in conspiracy theories and they have been for decades and they've been doing it on purpose. And so we have reached a point where our political system is completely symbolic, like Donald Trump never intended to build a wall. He never intended to drain a swamp. The promises he made in 2016 weren't actually promises. They were just catchy slogans, slogans and symbolic yes. victories. Yes. And, and it ba he basically told the people, and this is a really messed up idea, but it's true. He told the people, you're winning because I say you're winning. And that's what matters. And because you're upsetting the other side, it's not about actual change. It's not about doing anything for you. It's about, you know, whether or not your football team wins the game or wins the championship. And so our politics have totally become symbolic and totally fraudulent. And there's a reason why we're reaching a point of tension and violence and the breakdown of this entire structure. One of the curiosities for me is, is touching on something that you just said, is all the sloganeering of Trump but behind the curtain, Trump himself, from what I can understand, had no interest in any of it. It was just purely, he was just purely theatric so he could make money and not get convicted for all the crimes yeah. he'd been perpetrating throughout the years, it seems like. So what do we do about that? And this is where, I mean, there's a lot of questions here that we allow this person to be in office, to be president. Who doesn't really care about being president? That's not the, the glory, the pomp and circumstance. Yes, he loves that. But as you say, it was sloganeering. Well, Donald Trump has no interest in being president. It's one of the more, I would say, amazing and disturbing incidences in probably political history. This is a person who started running for president not to become president, but to enrich himself and grow his brand. He wanted to get on TV. He wanted all the eyes of the world on him. And then he was going to spin that off into either a media company or some you know, new reality TV show for himself. And then because he knew how to pluck the strings of manipulation, he ended up becoming a faux populistic president. It's amazing. And then on top of it, he doesn't like being president. He doesn't like going to meetings. He doesn't like reading briefings. He doesn't like weighing in on actual legislation. What he enjoys is he basically wants to be the Ronald McDonald of the United States of America. Ronald McDonald is not making corporate choices at McDonald's. You know, he's not sitting in on shareholder meetings. Ronald McDonald goes out and shakes hands and holds balloons. And that's what Donald Trump once. In fact, if he wasn't going to be arrested and held accountable, which are possibilities of his post-presidency, 
the post-presidency would be the ideal job for Donald Trump. Hail to the chief, going in, shaking people's hands, people calling him Mr. President. What do you think about the moment? And I think actually what we're going to see happen more than likely is he's going to become an anti-president. He's going to say that the election was being stolen from him. And he'll probably have a show from a set that is an Oval Office looking room. And he'll comment on things the way he used to do on Fox and Friends. The problem is that Donald Trump is the canary in the coal mine. The fact that a man like this was not only able to win the nomination of a major party, but to win the presidency of the United States, helped, by the way, by the Electoral College, plus also just festering fascistic, racist, misogynistic tendencies in this country, should tell everyone, oh, what I thought this country was is wrong. Yes. We've we've been living and and I have to tell you I'm 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 just about to turn 40. I grew up in the 1980s under Reagan. I grew up in the 1990s. The America that I thought that I lived in is gone. Like yes. that that is just an illusion and yes. it's like it's like finding out Santa Claus isn't real and finding out that there's something behind it and there's a reason behind it. So I have to say that if we're going to understand how we got here and where we're going forward, we have to unravel that mythology and start to work against it because continuing to give speeches and and listen, I'm glad Joe Biden beat Donald Trump, but speeches about eagles and fireworks and flags and Normandy and all of this that doesn't get it. That doesn't take care of the problem. We can't return to a normal because normal was never real. Right. Oh, how right. How so right, Jared. We're talking to Jared Yates Sexton, um, who I love talking to because he uh, always has incredible uh, opinions and views. Um, just, just give a, a little pump out for your book, if you wouldn't mind, so we can so then we we'll get back to I can ask you some more questions before we... Well, well, going back to what we were talking about, the book is called American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World But Failed Its People. And what I had to do is after the election of Donald Trump, after my illusion of what America was or whatever I thought it was, I had to go back to the very beginning and relearn history instead of the old stories that I'd been told. And what I discovered is that we were always heading in this direction. You know, you hear people say like the founders would be rolling in their graves if they knew about Donald Trump, which is just absolute garbage and rubbish. They would be happy to hear that a wealthy white man was in charge and they would believe that he had control. Um, But one of the things that we have to do, and this is why I wrote American Rule, is we have to dissect the difference between reality and fiction. Because right now, people are in denial about what's happening in this country, how we've arrived at this moment, and how, how, how an angry mob of insurrectionists could possibly try and carry out a coup on the U.S. Capitol. That is, that is, if you don't know the history of America as it actually is, you can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. It's, it's inexplicable. It's strange. It's bizarre. But the bizarre reality that we're living in is because all of these mythologies have outlived their purpose and their use, and they're just sort of flickering now, and there's nothing left besides violence. Yes. Jared, before we go any further, there's something that I want to clear up, something that I, I feel very strongly about, and, and that is... I hear this quote often. People say, yes, but Donald Trump is a genius. He's a genius at this. He's a genius at that. I argue this vehemently because I don't believe Donald Trump has any qualifications to be called a genius. His qualifications to be called a schoolyard bully, an ignorance, whatever, but certainly not a genius in any sense. I would make the argument that Donald Trump is a gambler. 
And I and and I would actually say that the most apt explanation of why he's been able to do what he's been able to do and why people call him a genius is because what he's actually done is he's taken advantages, uh, taken advantage of the weaknesses and rot within our system. And in order to point the fact out that this is an incompetent gambler who has managed to do this, we have to create fictions around him, right? We have to say, oh, well, he just knows exactly what the system is. And because you know, if if we start believing that like a total incompetent, a person who, by the way, squandered his entire inheritance yes. four yes. times yes. over, yes. four times over, and happens to be like also just a TV personality that was raised up to make people believe he was a competent boss or a competent individual. If you start believing that, which is truth, you have to start investigating the meritocracy. You have yes. to start wondering whether or not the most talented and hardest working individuals are actually the ones who rise to the top. And so people make a deal with themselves, which is I'll go ahead and call Donald Trump, who cannot understand anything. He's not really capable of consolidating power in any real way outside of people giving it to him and people acquiescing to him. You have to make a deal, which is I will call him a genius as long as I can still believe that the meritocracy is real, right? Because yeah. he has to be a genius. How could you be the president of the United States of America and not be a genius? Obviously, he is. He won the presidency. Everything's fine. It just so happens you don't see the 5D chess that he's carrying out. Yes. I want to move on to other. other I don't want to just focus in on Trump the whole time. But I, there's one last thing before we move on to other areas. And that is one thing that puzzles me a great deal, Jared. And that is at the beginning when he started to run, the Trump University trial was going on. And it wasn't until I think it was after he became president that the, the verdict came in about the Trump University. That whole squalor, that, that horrible, horrible, just complete fraud, complete, I mean, ridiculous. But there was also almost nothing mentioned about it. It just sort of like vanished into the ether. Just like to get your take on that. You know, I think a lot about this modern state that we're living in. You know, I think I, I come from rural Indiana. I come yeah. from a, a real working class town. And, you know, every time I've gone back there, I just notice more and more how things like the opioid crisis has just yeah. absolutely devastated that area. Meanwhile, we have these pharmaceutical companies that have been found guilty of intentionally addicting people to their medicine and ruining their lives. Just yeah. and not just lives, communities. I yeah. mean, they, they, they've ruined entire parts of the country. Um, that's not very popular to talk about. That's not something that Garn, I, I still remember whenever the tobacco companies, it was discovered that, you know, that they were obviously hiding the fact that they were giving people cancer and that they were intentionally addicting people. That was a massive story at that time when that came out. But eventually, when you see one case of fraud and injustice after another, eventually you throw up your hands and you're like, what do you expect? The rich and the wealthy get away with this stuff. And at some point, actually, we start looking at it and we're like, congratulations, you got away with the most stuff. You grifted the most people. You yes. broke the most laws without actually being held accountable. And this whole thing with Trump University, which, you know, we don't have enough time to talk about the fact that that was even a fraud that was made possible because of the fraud of higher education at this current yes. moment and yes. student debt. All of that stuff is stuff that it's just exhausting. 
And keeping an eye on this and keeping up with it and understanding the actual spate of injustice in this country, it, it, it has a tendency to put people to sleep because it's, it's, it's so demoralizing after a while. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I, I feel exhausted just even, even talking about it. It's not My, fun. It's not fun. And, no. and listen, I, I'm, I don't mean to be a killjoy because I have a ton of hope. I absolutely yes. do. Yes, but yes. It's, but it's impossible to talk about any of this stuff without talking about the fact that this is a not. You know what I mean? It's it's oh, like when, yes. And when all yes. of a sudden I, I I always say earbuds. Like you know how the earbuds always get knotted up, and sometimes you take them out of a out of a, a drawer, <laughs> and you're like, I don't even know which thread to pull on. Yes, unless yes. it makes the knot wor not worse. We have a massive, massive knot of problems in this country yeah and in any ability to take care of it we're going to have to have mature reasoned conversations and we're going to have to do multi we, we, we have to chew gum and walk and unknot yeah. knots at the same time yes. it's a really exhausting giant deal that we have to take care of jared yates sexton is my guest his most recent book is called american rule how a nation conquered the world but failed its people Let's move on and talk about two words. Well, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to say race plus politics equals Trump. What's your thoughts on this? Have things changed? Well, they've changed in certain ways. They've changed in the way that you can't have outright racism. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't use slurs. You can't be open about it. Like even corporations that exploit people around the world have to send out press releases that talk about how much they value diversity and inclusiveness, right? And, and, and by the way, thank you, Ronald Reagan, for that, the whole colorblind political thing, which you just go ahead and you do the racist divisive thing, but you pretend like it's not racist or divisive. Can what we can I just hold you for one second there? Could we just say that we can we can put Ronald Reagan at the top of the list for many of the of the the horrible things that have gone? Well, for instance, abortion, death penalty, homosexuality. I mean, the whole list all came about gun control. Yep. From my understanding of history, all these things came about when Walter Annenberg decided that Ronald Reagan would be a good figurehead. Before that, we didn't talk about in this country, we really didn't talk about abortion or gun control or drugs or so I just just wanted to make that make that point. Yeah, I would I would actually go ahead and say so over uh, I, I have a podcast called the Microic Podcast. We actually just put together an audio documentary that we believe that like one of the big juncture points in this country was this speech that Jimmy Carter gave. Um, it's it's come to be known as the Malaise speech, where he talks about a crisis of confidence, and he basically says we we need to get serious about our problems and what's wrong with America, or else divisiveness is going to lead us down a certain route to failure. It was a mature conversation as America was facing real honest problems. Well, Ronald Reagan, you know, the GE pitch man comes in and says, there's nothing wrong with America. Everything's great. Everyone's like, I like that better. That's, I like that a lot better. And that feels a lot better than having to look inward and all that. Ronald Reagan was the pitch man for the dismantling of things like the new deal, the social safety net, and any, any semblance of equality uh, at least, well, actually, especially economic and racial equality in this country. Um, it all happened, by the way, under the veneer of flying flags, bald eagles, and, you know, yes. speeches in, in front of Mount Rushmore. Uh, well, so going back to what I was going to say, one of the things that has happened post-Reagan is that 
the wealthy and the powerful have only grown exorbitantly more wealthy and more powerful. I mean, we, we, we see that. I mean, right now with the pandemic, I mean, look at how like the 1% have grown in wealth and power. You know, they've been gaining billions and trillions while everyone else is, you know, living in squalor and dying. Well, the problem here is that we have seen over the course of history that whenever inequality, particularly economic equality, grows larger and larger and larger, well, the wealthy and the powerful, there comes a point where there's like a uh, pitchforks and torches moment, right? Where the, the people are going to get upset and they're going to storm the castle with pitches and, and, and or with uh, pitchforks and torches. Well, eventually what they do, and it happens every time you can set your watch by it, is they say, you should be angry. You should be upset. Look at these people of color. And so what they do is that they divide the population. They make sure that the population never comes together in solidarity to actually trouble the economic system. So the people who are angry right now, they should be angry. They have something to be angry about. But somebody like Donald Trump comes along and says, I'll tell you who's to blame. It's the immigrants. It's the traitorous liberals. It's uh, puppet masters, which, by the way, is always a veiled label for Jewish and or satanic influences, right? There's a reason why the protocols of the elders of Zion led to the New World Order, led to the deep state, led to QAnon. It's the same fascistic uh, conspiracy theories over and over again. And when capitalism reaches a point of tension, when it reaches a point where the people could rise up, the capitalists always turn to fascist, who are people who are upset about their conditions and they blame racism and white, you know, white supremacist paranoia. They always use them as their muscle to go ahead and protect themselves. And so that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing people who live in an alternate reality that keeps them from understanding why they're actually unhappy and angry. And as a result, they can't communicate with everybody else and we can't form some sort of a coalition to make things better. So now what happened last Wednesday um, at the Capitol? Let's talk about the radical right and fake news because I'm wondering did the people that took pay, that took part in that riot uprising what storming the capital what whatever you want to call it i mean i don't know if we can def can we define that um were they concerned about how this would be seen or did they believe that the fake news media would report this as real news this is is it's so convoluted it's so yes. hard to sort of you know get to the beginnings and the end of this. Your thoughts on that? Oh, it's really weird what happened last week. And that's the thing is, I, I kind of feel like one of the problems with our media is we have tried to simplify it, right? Like a really complex situation. Yeah. So the, the, the group of insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol last week, there were multiple groups. It's, it was a weird umbrella. It, it is a strange group of bedfellows. On one hand, you have a lot of QAnon people who literally believe that there is a secret cabal that is running the government and, you know, uh, 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 assaulting people and hurting children and they're engaged in satanic practices and that Donald Trump has a secret plan that's going to make everything better. OK, that's why they stormed the Capitol. We have another group of people. You would call them the MAGA group, right, which are Americans who believe a lot of these conspiracy theories. They believe that the election was stolen. Right. And so they showed up. And matter of fact, you can watch these videos. 
some of them end up in the Capitol and they're walking around like, what am I doing here? Yes. Right. They're, they, and they're like taking pictures of themselves. And it's almost like they're tourists. Yes. You know, that they're getting like a private tour of the Capitol. Then we have a third group of people who are grifters. And you saw a lot of these in the videos that they're like streaming while they're doing it. And yes. they're like talking to their their listeners and their supporters and, you know, their viewers. And meanwhile, they they made thousands of dollars in donations and they, they got tons of subscribers. They got tons of retweets and likes and right. all of that. They were doing it as a grift. But yes. then there was another group here. And this is the important thing to point out. The fourth group were white terrorists. They were, they were white extremists. And, I, and, and this is important, and this is something that the, the media has gotten completely wrong. Some white terrorists support Donald Trump and believe in him. Most of them don't. They understand that he's a boob. They understand that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But they love that he has whipped up the racial conversation in this country, that he has created division, and they have used him to recruit and radicalize people. These are a lot of them former military members. It's important, by the way, that we point out that this whole situation would not have taken place if we didn't have forever wars that created a bunch of veterans that we don't take care of yes. and that we don't look after. And so they went in there with plans. They are people who literally want to overthrow the government and realize a white fascistic ethnostate. And they're using the other people to help them. And they've been radicalizing them. They've been they've been sending them propaganda. They've been sending them misinformation. They've been sending them tons of memes and things to share. And so what's actually happening again is you have a group of people who know better than the misinformation using the misinformation to achieve their own means. It's weird. <laughs> it's a really it really weird. Yeah. It really is. What about within those different groups and particularly the the white um, yep. sep separatists is that what we I mean I'm not sure what the what's the right right way to call it. Well, that's the weird thing too because it involves militias, it involves yes. paramilitary groups, it involves neo fascists, it involves just one thing after another, and that's like Charlottesville. The closest thing to this was the Charlottesville, Charlottesville riots, yes. where so you what, saw neo Nazis, KKK, alt right, all these people come underneath the same banner but have different ideas and different focuses. So, what about the religious right, the the extreme religious right? How do yeah, they they, they're part of it. Um, they they're sprinkled in throughout. So, there's like a group of people. It's important to point out that a lot of these white terrorists and white separatists are actually white supremacist Christians. They believe in radical Christianity. It's important to point out that fascism has oftentimes trafficked with Christianity. In Nazi Germany, in fascist Italy, we actually saw Christianity go hand in hand with the rise of fascism. And in this country, particularly around the Civil War, it was also a radical white supremacist Christianity that helped inspire the Confederacy and the uh, proto-fascistic rise of the Confederacy. So they're sprinkled throughout. And that's one of those things that besides the white race, it's also the Christian faith that sort of brings these people together. So that that banner is sort of uh it's sort of woven together and sewn together based on those common ideas i would say yes as we're speaking the impeachment hearings are taking place this this very moment by that as i said at the top of the show by the time this conversation airs 
we have no idea what will have transpired between in just just a couple of days. It could be anything, Jared. We we just don't know what could happen. What are your thoughts about that? I'm not asking you to predict, but I'm asking you, what are your thoughts about the, the, the precariousness of the situation? Well, I would say first that we have sort of gotten it and, and we have such short memories in this country. We have such short attention spans in this country. Um, what we've been told is that there is a danger of violence from right now until the inauguration. And if Joe Biden gets inaugurated and there isn't a coup attempt or some sort of violence, then we're out of the water. We're fine. We made it. Congratulations, everybody. That's not true. We have to look at what happened with um, the, the coup at the Capitol last week. We have to look at that as the beginning of something. Hopefully we can make it the last flare up, right? But if we don't actually take care of this and we don't actually look in the mirror and deal with the material conditions that are leading to radicalization and alienation, um, it's only going to get worse. And I have to tell you, the people that I was talking about, the white terrorists, the white separatists, they're very excited about having a Democrat president. They're very like they 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 actually do very well when they have an oppositional president. I mean, yes. look at Bill Clinton, look at Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma City. Yes. That's when they thrive. And so what we're looking at right now is a much longer situation than I think a lot of people are wrapping their heads around. But we also have to consider now all of a sudden, if if it isn't a horde of tens of thousands overrunning the Capitol, then what are we even talking about? We're looking at asymmetrical terrorism. We're looking at violence around the country. I mean, the FBI has even said that all 50 capitals have real actual threats against them over, you know, the next few weeks. So, you know, it, it's a really bad situation. And I, I keep telling people, they say, well, what can I do? And the first answer is the only way to prevent coups and fascistic takeovers is to admit that coups and fascist takeovers are possible. Yes. We can't just say that America is immune because it's not. America is especially vulnerable to these things. And, and it's in our character. It's in our history. It's in our fabric. And we have to understand that it's a possibility in order to fight back against it. Jared, who are the GOP right now? Who, who are these people? Well, the problem is that the Republican Party is actually, it, it doesn't have any principles. It's not, you know, they're not fiscally conservative, socially conservative. They're not pro-troops. They send them around the world to kill them and they don't give them benefits. They're not actually pro-law enforcement. We just saw that a couple of days ago when their supporters, you know, killed a few of them and attacked a few of them and drug them out and beat them. Uh, they're not actually pro-life. The whole abortion thing is just a way to, you know, stir up wedges in culture. They're not actually trying to overturn that most of the time. They're not actually for free markets. They're for damming up markets and making sure that the wealthy and the powerful achieve monopolies and give them the most money possible. They're anti-democratic. And I don't mean small, I don't mean big D, I mean small D. Okay. They're yeah. gerrymandering. They're making sure to disenfranchise people. The only principle that the GOP holds to is the pursuit of power and profit. And Unfortunately, and, and let me tell you, I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like, I, I'm not actually a Democrat. I actually renounced my my Democratic Party like the moment that I figured out like American history. I was like, I don't really want to be a part of either yep. of these things. Yep. But I have to tell you, the Republican Party has reached its ideological conclusion. 
there's they don't actually represent anyone besides a minute base and then they just spin a bunch of conspiracy theories and use fear mongering to get a bunch of other people to go along with it they do not have a cohesive idea besides going back to donald trump and there's a reason why they are the party of donald trump and selected him they're gamblers they're like well i guess we'll try this conspiracy theory I guess we'll 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 say it was Antifa. We'll say that Dominion stole the elections, whatever. They're just trying whatever's possible and they're just making it up as they go along. And the problem is that they're deconstructing reality as we know it, and they're actually destroying shared society. They are an anti-democratic fascistic movement at this point. And I know that that sounds hyperbolic, but that's an actual it's the it's an actual truth of what's going on at this moment. And is it also true, Jared, that it's easier to hate? Than, than I guess to love. Well, it is. It's easier to hate and to point a finger than to come up with alternatives. Like if you actually go back into 2020 and look at the campaigns, there wasn't a single legislative idea espoused by the Republican Party. They don't have anything because they, they have no interest in using government to actually help public good. The reason why Mitch McConnell is the most powerful man in North America is because he is there to make sure that nothing passes through, passes through Congress that actually changes anybody's life for the better. That's why he's there. He's the hatchet man of making sure that the status quo continues. Yes. And what we're looking at right now is we're looking at a moment and, and, and all the stuff that we're talking about, and, and you know this as well as I do, it's complicated stuff. Yes. It's big, giant weird, complicated issues. And, 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 and honest to God, our republic and, and basically liberalism as we know it depends on our ability to fix all of these things. This is a hard, hard road. It's a lot easier to say, no, elect me and everything will be fine. America will be great again if you elect me. That's so much easier than saying we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to take care of this. We need to be big and bold and ambitious. It's a lot easier to say, if I'm elected, we're great again. Congratulations. And, and that's where they are. And that's who they are. And that's, uh, that's unfortunately the, the place that we find ourselves right now. Do the Democrats have responsibility? The Democrats, I would say this, and, and, and this is one of the reasons why Joe Biden's speeches have felt so uh, lacking in the past couple of weeks, especially uh, after the Capitol. The Democrats have still been peddling the mythology of American exceptionalism. You cannot watch tens of thousands of Americans. By the way, after tens of millions of Americans voted for Donald Trump, after he was an abject failure and killed hundreds of thousands in a pandemic, you cannot then say, this isn't who we are. Like, that's not true. This is who we are. And you have to start reckoning with that. And the Democrats have to stop hiding behind this idea that there's nothing wrong with America. Because there is. There's something wrong with this project that we need to take care of. And this is one of the reasons why it's become so frustrating to listen to Democrats is because they have to they have to walk a tightrope between addressing the problems, but still maintaining those mythologies. And those mythologies aren't real. They have to they have to rediscover their roots. And it's the roots they left behind, which are working class base, people of color, solidarity with unions and, and working people which, by the way, they threw to the wayside in the 1980s and 1990s. And they moved yes. beyond it and they embraced, quote unquote, free markets and neoliberalism and mass incarceration. They have to refine their way. They have to come out of the wilderness and they have to figure out how to address this stuff and not just use rhetoric. 
you just said something which I found I, I, I've thought about a lot, and that is how the other side, and when I say the other side, uh, the, the GOP and people that support Trump, the MAGA supporters, et cetera, the people, and, and people that, the, the, the whatever millions it was that voted for Trump, I, I, I've been thinking about this a great deal, particularly because I've spoken to people who it turns out voted for Trump. And of course, my first reaction was, oh my God, you can't be my friend. How crazy, what, what this is, you know, this is just deplorable that you should even be. But then I stopped to think, Jared, I stopped to think what, what made them? And I, I asked the question, what was, and one of the answers that I got from a number of people were, was the fear, was the fear of whatever it was, the fear of the other, the fear of immigrants taking over, the, if they believed in the, the, the QAnon, then the fear of the devil coming to grab them and their babies and what have you. But it is, it's this big under an umbrella of fear. And, but then I would say, but do you think that voting for Trump was, was the best alternative to, to your fears? No answer for that other than, oh, well, don't want those bleeding heart liberals are going to turn us all into communists. So going ahead, going to, into the future, again, I'm not asking you, Jared Yates Sexton, to be, you know, to have a crystal ball. And, but it, it does seem to me that I, I do, I'm always trying to be optimistic. I get up every day and go, ha, ah, this is going to be a good day. Despite what I see in the news and, from your perspective, somebody that talks and teaches about this all the time and writes about it, what do you see? Well, I just want to point out real fast that everything that you just said, the terms that you used, yeah. they've lost all their meaning. They're all gone. <laughs> Communist, yes. socialist, radical, yes. those things aren't real. Yes. yes. We can't even call, when we talk about the right anymore, we can't call them conservative. That's yes. not That's not real. That's yes. and, and, and part of the problem is that politics as we know it and reality as we know it, it's running out of gas. It's, 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 we're in the last sputtering of the car and we need to drive it on the side of the road and, and figure things out. Oh, the before problem, we turn to electric vehicles. <laughs> before we turn to electric vehicles. I love that you had to take it that direction, but you're right. Well, part of the problem is that we are trapped when we are trying to talk to one another within a dynamic that doesn't really exist. So like, for instance, a lot of my family are Trump supporters. I've watched, I've actually watched a lot of my family become radicalized. You know, I go on social media and they're sharing white supremacist memes without realizing they're white supremacist memes. Uh, they're getting radicalized by QAnon and they don't even realize they're being radicalized by QAnon. And here's the problem. If I engage them and I send them a message that says you're wrong, that's done. Yeah. That, that conversation doesn't move any further yes. because what has actually happened in this country is that both of our parties have created a trench warfare situation. Yes. They have both figured out the slice of the electorate they need to win a presidential election and or Congress or whatever. And these are, and they have, you know, one specialist and consultant after another who tells them where to be on what issue and what to say and how to deal with it. That trench warfare situation is about inches. It's no man's land back from World War One. We'll take a couple inches and all of a yes. sudden we have a president. We'll take yeah. a couple of inches, all of a sudden we have a court. That language isn't real, nor does it actually mean anything anymore. What I have found is, and, and I almost, I, I, I blame myself for this. 
when I started realizing that like people that I care about were being radicalized, I suddenly realized that I hadn't talked to them for a while. I hadn't checked in on them. And, and when I reached out to them, it wasn't politics. It was personal. And I said, how are things going? And yes. what I found was this to a person, the people who were being radicalized were all at a moment of personal crisis. They had lost their jobs. They were getting behind on their mortgage. They, they were having medical problems. They were going through a divorce. They were having, you know, their kids were uh, having uh, substance abuse, mental illness problems. And what was happening is that they were, they were victim to the problems of America and they needed an explanation. And what conspiracy theories are, are simplified explanations of problems and, and the usage of power that gives you a person to be angry with or a focus of your ire. It's not a coincidence, by the way, that the New World Order conspiracy theory took off as globalism took off. It's just a simplified version of what globalism is. Instead of corporations, you have people in a smoky room making decisions and maybe they're satanic, maybe they're not. What I, what I have to say is this. We have to repair the atomization of society. We have to start talking to one another as human beings again. We have to start empathizing with one another. You want to make this country better if you want to make it safer, if you want to de-radicalize people. And listen, there are going to be some people who roll my eyes when I say this. But do you want to take on global climate change? Okay, well, put some factories in middle America where they create solar panels. If you want to get people who deny that climate change is real to believe climate change is real, give them a job combating global climate change and they'll believe it real fast. So the entire point is we need to address the material conditions that is atomized society and led to radicalization. That's what we have to take care of those things. It's time to stop talking to them about Trump. It's time to stop talking to them about QAnon. It's time to stop going into diners and asking them how they feel about headlines. It's time to start having personal conversations that are outside of politics, start rebuilding trust, conversations that are outside of the dynamic of red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican, Clinton, Biden, Trump, however you want to dice it up, start having human conversations and start actually taking care of the problems at the heart of America. And I think that's how we fix this thing. Jared, that is so well put. Thank you for that. I, I, you explained so much there, which now leads me to ask you, what do we, and when I say we, I mean myself and the media. How do we, instead of just... We're having a great conversation and we both understand where we're coming from and what, I mean, got all that, but we're starting this off by being a little snotty, a little, a little snarky about some of the aspects of it. And we both know that. So where do we go from here without, without, without falling back into that trap of being, you know, just a little smarty pants, um, how do, we, how do we in the media do to connect with our audience and, and, and change the dynamics? How do we how we how do we approach it so we're not just subliminally taking sides? Well, I mean, you you've been in media long enough, you know this, that there are a ton of stories that don't get talked about because they're not sexy or because <laughs> yeah. they need they need context or nuance. And for the longest time, we're told it's like, do not get into the weeds in situations. People will turn the channel. They'll find something else. They want junk food. They want to go get. And so, and you know, and then meanwhile, journalists and media people are like, well, I'll try and make the junk food as good as I possibly can. 
we have just had a really long, complicated, esoteric conversation. I hope that the people who are listening to it enjoy it more than a vapid, short conversation that has flashing lights or whatever. I would actually say that we've reached a moment with like podcasts and vlogs and all of this stuff. If you look at podcasts, they go on for like two hours. People want substance. People yes. want the actual issues dealt with. And it's not enough to put it within what I like to call conventional history. And, and you know, we were talking about Reagan a while ago. Most people think Reagan's a guy who stood up and said, tear down this wall. And they took it down that day. And that was it. And that's not true. That's not even close to the reality yeah. of the situation and what happened. Yeah. I would say, and this is important too. People are already using their old frames to explain what happened at the Capitol last week. They're saying that the people are stupid, that they're hicks, that they're uneducated. Here's the thing. And, and I have to tell you, I'm sitting here talking to you. I come from these people. And yes, I'm an academic. I'm educated. All this stuff. Just because people are poor, just because people come from middle America, doesn't mean they're stupid. It doesn't mean that they're incompetent. It doesn't mean that they're incapable. It doesn't mean that they're untalented. Right. You can talk to them. You can have conversations with them. And it will have the sound of truth to it. If we start talking about power and economics in this country, and we do it in a way that not only has truth on its side, but it, it's actually in-depth and honest about what's going on, I think you'll make a change. I think you will actually see conditions start to change in this country, particular, particularly if you start paying attention to what's going on in the interior of the country and what's happening on the ground as opposed to just the coast, which is actually a problem. Mm. So, again, I, I, I love talking to you, Jared, because I, one, as you just said, we've covered such a lot of areas here. We've 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 gone off in different tangents and we've it's something that you and I could talk about. Yeah, for a long, long time. We could be here, you know. Um, but one of the things I find very interesting in talking to you is that, like me, you you came from a from a, a working class background and um, moved on. Um, you're educated. Um, you read a lot. You look. You listen. You see. You indulge. You you. It, it, I would like to I would like to try and encourage other people to do to do that same thing to 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 have another look to not not just take things for what one of the things I'm, I'm this is a long way around to say that this whole idea of fake news has always bothered me because I, yeah. I just always believe that you just shouldn't take things for granted always question just just you know just a little bit more than you actually do I think that would make people are so willing to accept what what the pundits say what what you know and, and yes I, I i agree that stephen colbert has been doing a great job and rachel maddow says some interesting things but i want to hear what you think not what rachel maddow thinks or, or stephen colbert like i want to hear what jared yates sexton thinks <laughs> so. well I, I i do have to say though i mean a couple of things have happened here which is american education was hollowed out on purpose it, it, yeah. it was attacked on purpose. Yes. Like we can't sit here and talk about what's going on in this country without talking about the fact that critical thinking has been removed from the curriculum. It's a political project that's led us here. Not to mention, by the way, and I would be remiss if I didn't say this before we wrapped up, we have a mental health crisis in this country. Yes, yes. We have a lot of people who aren't getting help. And as a result, they're having, and, and, and by the way, 
it doesn't hurt that big tech and media play on that mental illness and the need to have it reaffirmed and realities to be reaffirmed to addict people to their products. And on top of all of that, I'm sitting here talking to you about this stuff because I made the decision that I was going to go in tens of thousands of dollars of debt to understand this stuff. Like I, I, I have succeeded in my life. I, I am a tenured professor. That's a rarity nowadays. I, I, I write books. I have a platform, all this stuff. I am still chained to tens of thousands of dollars of student yes. debt. I do not blame people back home for looking at that and saying that's sour grapes. I don't, I don't need to do that. And by the way, there, there's a reason why we currently are divided between a lot. Uh, and you look at the votes around the country, we're divided between people who went to college and people who did not. And a large po- part of it has to do with the fact that we have moneyed, wealthy, moneyed, wealthy interest who have made sure that that's the case. That if you graduate from college and if you don't come from a wealthy family, you are more or less in, in, indentured that you are going to be held back by your debt. It makes sure that they can exploit you for maximum profitability. So what we're dealing with, again, there's so many facets of it, and I'm with you. I think that we can have these conversations because people are smarter than people give them credit for. Yeah. But we have to take care of these material conditions or else it's just not going to get better. Mental health and education, two subjects that you and I have got to talk about again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. It, 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 it's always just uh, just an honor to chat with you. Love love hearing what you have to say. Uh, keep writing those tweets and, and keep commentating. Uh, I do appreciate it. My guest has been the author of American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World but Failed Its People, Jared Yates Sexton. Thank you so much, Jared, for joining us once again at Life Elsewhere. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, don't forget, you can hear this show again at our affiliate stations and as a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Details are up at lifeelsewhere.co. Now, did you agree with Jared Yates Sexton? Your feedback is always welcome. Take a moment to let me know what you think of the show. My email address comes up in the closing credits. So be prepared to jot it down. To take us up to the close, I thought some contemplative music would be welcome. Here, then, is a cut from the EP Snowmelt. It's Zoe Keating out of Burlington, Vermont, who describes herself as a one-woman cello orchestra. The cut I've chosen is Possible, a fitting title. Till next time, I wish you well, be safe, and always it costs nothing. Be nice. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Life Elsewhere is written and produced by Norman B. Guest booking and additional research by Stephanie Lane. Behind the scenes assistance by James Van, Bruce Goodman, and Allison Klein. We love to hear what you think about Life Elsewhere. Send your questions, queries, and comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O. Life Elsewhere is produced at the studios of WMN.